Hey guys, Gordon here. I just want to take a second and thank you for downloading our episode, listening to our episodes, sharing our episodes, tagging us on social media and helping us grow our mission. It means everything to me. And from here uh, to continue growing where we're at, please consider throwing us a small donation just to help grow the mission, support the team, support the infrastructure and continue to build the Permafit name. Thank you all so much. We love you. We'll talk to you soon. What's up, guys? Welcome to the Strength of Body and Mind podcast. My name is Gordon. I'm going to be your host, and this is episode 48. And this is actually part two of a three-part series called The Beginner's Guide to Fitness. Why is it called The Beginner's Guide to Fitness? Well, it is exactly that. It's everything that you need mentality-wise, mindset-wise, nutrition and eating and supplementation-wise, and then also how to get started on training and exercise and resistance training versus cardio and stuff like that, all of it. It's the beginner's guide to all that stuff. So it's an introduction to all of that stuff. And I have to be totally honest with you. A lot of this stuff is stuff that I train my clients to understand and I coach clients through. So a paying client would get a lot of the same information right off the bat. Of course, we go way further in depth, especially on the mindset stuff. But well, actually, that's not even true. Even on the, the the nutrition and the training, obviously, everything like that is customized and we go into very, very, very deep detail. And that's all related and built around a client's goals so that we create an actionable blueprint that maps to that goal. So anyway, what are we talking about today? Well, the first uh, part of the series, so part one was all about mindset and it was all about uh, like fostering and creating the right mindset, the right mentality, the right perspective on how to actually achieve fitness, because that is the gold, guys. That's the piece that most people get wrong, and that's the reason most people fail. Everybody knows, really deep down, everybody knows how to eat correctly. Everyone, you know, or, or relatively healthy, right? Everyone knows, in general. I'm saying in general. Everybody knows how to train. Everybody knows how to exercise. Everybody knows how to lift weights. Everybody knows how to run or do cardio or something to move their body to get their body to burn body fat. They know how to eat in a way that's healthy that will allow them to continue to burn body fat and to achieve a, a better state of health. Everybody knows how to do that stuff in general. It's it's almost primal, right? And of course, you can go online and pull any information you want off of Google. Okay, we all know how to do that. That's no surprise. That's no mystery. Uh, the thing that most people get wrong, though, is the mentality, the mindset piece. Okay, the mindset piece, and that's what we went over in episode one, and that's what we go way further in depth in, uh, in like a client trainer client coaching relationship. But the, all the the blueprint for that is there. So if you haven't listened to part one, go back and listen to it. There's a ton of value there. There's a lot of content that will help you understand exactly what it is you want, why you want it, what the benefits you're going to get from it are, and how to set yourself up to actually be able to achieve that and be successful and sustain it. Okay, so go back and listen to that if you haven't already. So for this episode, though, we're going to talk about nutrition. Okay, we're going to talk about nutrition. We're going to talk about supplementation. We're going to talk about uh, micro versus macro based education and nutrition. We're going to talk about mindful and intuitive eating and a couple other things. So this is going to be hugely important. If you are new to nutrition, if you are new to nutrition, it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense to you yet. Maybe you have done a lot of headline reading. Maybe you've gone to like bodybuilding.com and you've read a bunch of stuff there or some other fitness website and you are experiencing like information overload. This article says this thing. This article says this thing. 
you know, this guy on YouTube is saying this, they're all different. They're all conflicting. Unfortunately, you're going to experience that. So I'm going to add to that pile and I'm going to do it in a way that I always do. I'm going to do it in a way uh, where I'm, I'm going to be conveying information that I always convey to people who are new to nutrition or new to training, or they're having so much trouble achieving their goal. They feel like they understand nutrition, but deep down they probably don't. I'm going to keep it very simple and I'm going to keep it uh, structured in a way that I think makes sense to everybody who is new to fitness and new to nutrition. So the first thing I want to talk about is mindful eating and intuitive eating. What is mindful eating? What is intuitive eating? I've talked about this before. I post about it on Facebook and Instagram sometimes. Mindful eating or intuitive eating are they are uh, methods, methodologies of eating on a daily basis. It's like a lifestyle, okay, where you are relying on your body's intuition to tell you when and when not to eat and how much and when you've had enough and when you are satisfied versus eating for flavor and eating for pleasure and stuff like that. You are relying on your body's intuition. Okay. You have to listen to your body. It requires you to have a relationship with your body that you, that is, that is like extremely tight, extremely intimate. All right. Most people don't have that. Why don't I like intuitive eating? Why don't I like mindful eating? The reason I don't like those guys is because they are a catalyst for obesity for a lot of people. They were a catalyst for me to obesity, meaning that was the vessel that got me to being obese. So here's the problem. Most people who have trouble having a good relationship with food, meaning they eat a lot for pleasure. They eat because of taste. They eat because it feels good. They eat because it's, it satisfies an emotional thing right? They eat, they eat because it satisfies something in them where they can't get that pleasure or that satisfaction from anything else at that moment. So they eat something that tastes really, really good that satisfies them temporarily. I did that for years. You may do that. A lot of people that if you don't do that, a lot of people, you know, definitely do that. It's so common. It's incredibly common. I wish I had a statistic on that as to how many people eat for pleasure and to the, to, to their detriment, right? To, uh, to the point where it's not a good thing. Because it's a lot. Now, uh, when I was in college and in high school and in middle school, even I would eat, and my, my like my family members, my mom and everything, like they they none of them were overweight. They would always say things like, "Stop when you're full. Stop when stop eating when you're full, or stop eating when you're satisfied." There would be some things in there like eat slower and stop when you're full. I always heard that stop when you're full, portion control, stuff like that. Well. I had an unhealthy relationship with food because I was chubby. I'm not sure what came first, right? But I was chubby. And so I would eat things that were good. And like any kid, if I had access to pizza and chips and cookies and candy over, you know, I would go for that over broccoli and chicken and healthier stuff, salad, right? Vegetables, fruit. And so I would end up and you know, I ended up getting more and more and more overweight, more and more unhappy with myself to the point where I was seeking food because it would make me feel better. It's a very typical feedback loop and it's unfortunate, but it's true. And there was no possible way I was going to listen to my body. It was not going to happen because intuitive eating allows you to have total freedom. It allows you to have complete open freedom to eat whatever you want. You want a donut? eat a donut because they operate, they being um, people who practice intuitive eating, they operate 
off of 10 core principles. And one of those principles is honor your hunger. One of your, one of those principles is ignore the food police, food police being people who come in and try to tell you what to eat and what not to eat. One of them is honor your satisfaction, which is like knowing when you're full kind of thing, knowing when you're satisfied and a lot, there's seven more and they're, they're very similar. It's like listening to your body type stuff and I get it. I understand it and I know the intent is, is good. The intention of that whole thing is good. It's to get you to a point where you're in tune with your body and you understand it and you can listen to it and all that. I understand the problem is most people can't do that unless they're heavily coached to do that in a way they're taught it. That has to be taught. That's not something you can just do. So the problem is people who try this end up in a situation where they become obese. They become overweight because they have complete freedom and there's no way that they're going to have so much when they're already obese or already overweight or have no idea of education. Uh, They have no education of uh, on nutrition. They don't understand it. There's no way that they're going to go from that situation, that state of mind, that state of being to just being able to listen to their body just like that overnight and listen to their body and have this intuitive feedback coming from their body saying no. Gordon, you're full. Stop eating that donut. No, Gordon, you are halfway through that that large pizza. Stop eating it because you're full now or you're satisfied. You're not full. You're satisfied. That's not going to happen. It doesn't happen to people unless they're coached and heavily experienced in it. And so I don't believe in mindful eating. I don't believe in intuitive eating. So if you've heard of that and you're interested in it, I'm not telling you not to do it, but I am telling you that it's a dangerous, slippery slope if you are trying to use that as a way to go from an extremely unhealthy state or an obese state like I was in to a fit state and you don't have experience with macros and macro counting and weighing your food and stuff like that. Because here's the thing. I think at this point in my life, at this point in my level of fitness, I could implement intuitive eating if I wanted to because I understand exactly how much food it takes for me to be satiated for me to feel to be actually full for me to hit my macros. I know how much food I could eyeball my food pretty closely and know exactly how many macros I'm taking in, how many proteins, fats and carbs I'm taking in. I know I could because I've done it for years now. I've waited to the point where I understand I can just look at it. I can just tell within reason. There's a tolerance there, but it's pretty close. And only now would I say that I'm comfortable eating what I'll say, I'll call it off the grid, basically off the grid, untracked, unweighed and listening to my body and relying on my body's intuition. I think only now I could do that. And that tells me that only people who have years of experience or many, many months, like a year or like 10 months experience of tracking their macros and counting calories and weighing their food and understanding what six ounces of chicken looks like, understanding what three ounces of broccoli really looks like on a plate and you know, doing that over and over and over again so it's ingrained in your mind, only then can you really implement. This is what I feel. This is my personal opinion. This is what I think uh, it takes in order to be able to successfully implement intuitive eating. Unless, of course, you're an outlier type of person and you have this holistic connection with your body and you can implement that right off the bat. But that's really rare, guys. That's incredibly rare. If you're if you're anything like me or like most people, that's not going to work for you. So I do not recommend mindful or intuitive eating. Okay. What do I recommend in place of mindful eating in place of intuitive eating? I recommend treating your body like the simplistic system that it is for all the crazy dynamics and weird functionality that our body has. It's this dynamic, complex organism, but it's incredibly simple at the same time. 
Okay. I want you to think about a bank account for a minute. I'm not sure if I've ever talked about this on the podcast, but it's such a good analogy. I'm going to say it again. Think about a bank account. Think about a checking account. Okay. You have a checking account. It's got a base balance, whatever that is. Let's just say it's a thousand bucks. Okay. A thousand bucks. And you know that you have exactly a thousand dollars in bills that you have to pay every single month. Okay. So you have a thousand bucks in there and you have to spend a thousand every month. Well, what's going to happen if you deposit a thousand dollars into that bank account every month? You have a thousand dollars in bills and you have to spend, you have to, you're depositing a thousand every month. So you're going to deposit a thousand. You're going to spend a thousand. Nothing's going to change, right? Your base balance is never going to change. You're going to deposit a thousand dollars. You're going to spend a thousand dollars. Nothing will change. You will stay the same. You will maintain. Okay. What happens if you deposit $2,000 every month, but you spend a thousand still, you're going to deposit 2000. You're going to spend 2000. I'm sorry. You're going to deposit 2000. You're going to spend 1000 deposit 2000, spend 1000 at every month. You're going to be $1,000 richer. You're going to have an extra thousand dollars in that account every month. Okay. Over the course of a year, you're going to have $12,000 in there. Now let's think about it the other way around. You are depositing $500 every month, but you're still spending a thousand. What's going to happen? Well, that first month you're going to be short 500 bucks. Okay. That second month you're going to be short a thousand dollars. That third month you're going to be short $1,500. Every month you're going to be $500 in debt. You're going to be at a $500 deficit every single month, 500 more dollars in debt every single month. That is what's going to happen. Your body works the exact same way. Okay. You have a resting metabolic rate, RMR. That is the amount of calories that your body burns every single day, just living, just being a human being, just living, just going to work, getting up, doing your thing, going to work, spending time with your family, whatever you do, taking your kid to hockey practice. I'm talking about my life here, doing all this other stuff. And that's the amount of calories your body's going to burn that day. Okay. Whatever it is. So let's just pretend it's 2000. 2000 calories. If you consume 2,400 calories a day, every single day, what do you think is going to happen? You're burning 2000. Okay. You're consuming 2,400, 2,400. Every single day, you're going to be at a 400 calorie excess. Okay. An extra 400 calories. Your body's going to use that 400 calories in a form of storage. Okay, whatever source those calories are coming from is going to decide and depict how they get stored, but your body's going to hold on to them in some way, some form, and you're going to get heavier. You're going to put on weight. It's going to be slow. It's going to be gradual, but it's going to happen. Okay, so if you eat more than your RMR every single month, every single day, excuse me, you're going to put on weight. You're going to add weight to your body overall. Your overall weight is going to go up. If you eat less, let's just pretend you eat 1,600 calories and your body's burning 2,000. So you're at a 400 calorie deficit every single day. What do you think is going to happen? Your body is going to melt body fat. It's going to burn body fat and you are going to get lighter. Every single day, you're going to be a little bit lighter. You're going to lose a half a pound to a pound to a pound and a half, maybe a week, every single week, forever in general right? It's going to happen. That's the way it works. If you eat at a deficit, you're going to lose weight. If you eat in surplus, you're going to gain weight. It is literally that simple, guys. It is literally that simple. Now, we can add a layer to this that makes it more complex, but also makes it make so much more sense. 
makes it make so much more sense. Hope I said that right. <laughs> it makes it make so much more sense. And here's what that extra layer is. It's called macronutrients. You see, every calorie that you consume every single day in general, right? Let's say 99% of the calories you consume, 97, 98, 99% come from macronutrients. Macronutrients. Macronutrients are, there's three of them, proteins, fats, and carbs. Okay, they make up the calories that you consume. Every gram of carbohydrates has four calories in it. Every gram of protein has four calories in it. Every gram of fat has nine calories in it. Okay, four, four, and nine. Remember that four, four, and nine proteins, carbs, and fats, four, four, nine. And if you add it up, you are, um, you know, the amount of calories you're eating are coming directly from it. So if you add it up, you can get a really good idea of how much proteins and how many fats and how many carbs you're eating. And that ratio between those three things, between those macronutrients does have an effect on your body composition and how your body handles the calories that you're taking in. For example, 150 calories of Skittles is not the same as 150 calories of chicken breast. Okay. 500 calories of brown rice is not the same as 500 calories of white bread. They are not the same. Your body handles them differently. There's fast digesting carbs. There's slow digesting carbs. There's even rapid assimilating protein versus non-rapid assimilating protein. There's a whole bunch of different stuff. Okay. There's fat, saturated fat. So I'm not going to take it to that third level but I'm going to keep it here at macronutrients. It's important that you understand macronutrients, at least at an elementary level. So I'm going to give you a quick snapshot of how I calculate macronutrients for clients. And like, this is just the initial baseline. Of course, we take it way more in depth and we end up breaking down things um, like to the micro level so that we really understand what's going on in the system. But I'm going to use me as an example. So I have a cal- I have my calculator here. This is a calculator I made, and I made it over the course of many years that I have used, uh, where I've used uh, data and formulas and all different kinds of solutions from many different sources. But I made this calculator, and it works like this. So you start with your body rate, your body weight, excuse me. In which case, I'm 201 pounds right now. So I'm going to start with my body weight, 201 pounds. Initially, the first thing I'm going to do is multiply that by 10. So the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to take that 201. I'm going to get 2010, right? 2010. And then I'm going to use a activity multiplier. Now, the activity multiplier is something that's going to change from person to person to person. And it ranges from 1.3 to 2.2. Okay, that's the scale that I use. And again, this was derived over time through um, through sources that I've 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 both paid for and been taught for free and experimented with myself. And this is where I ended up. So it's kind of a combination of several sources and I'm very, very, very comfortable with it and it gets results. So anyway, you use this activity multiplier. Now, if you're a sedentary person and you know you're a sedentary person, you sit around all day at work and then you come home and you sit around all night at, at home at night and you do nothing. You never walk around. You're very unfit okay, probably obese or potentially obese or just very unfit, then you're going to be somewhere between 1.3 and like 1.5. That, that would be your activity multiplier. All right, the lower the number, the more sedentary you are, which sedentary you would be, which indicates a lower resting metabolic rate, a lower RMR. 
Um, after sedentary, there's a lightly active category, okay? Mildly active category, and that ranges from 1.5 to 1.8, okay? And again, lower number means less active, higher number means more active. The next category is active. I call it active, and that is uh, that the range is 1.7 to 2.0. And then lastly, there's a fourth category, which is very active, and that is 1.9 to 2.2. Now, Again, these have nothing to do with the amount of effort you're putting in at the gym. Zero. Has nothing to do with your extracurricular exercise. These are your lifestyle because you're only training for an hour, hour and a half a day. What this multiplier is indicating is the level of activity that you exude on a daily basis living your normal life. Okay. And by the way, if you go to work and you solder a bunch of stuff, like if you're working on an assembly line or you pack boxes or something like that, Unless you're on your feet and you're walking around a lot and you're actually like using your body, like getting a little bit of a sweat going even, you're not going to be at those higher levels, those higher tiers. Those very active and active categories, those are really reserved for construction workers, uh, people who are on their feet all day, like schlepping tools around, building stuff with their hands, lifting heavy objects, warehouse workers who lift a lot of heavy objects and stuff like that. Um, Not you know, certainly not like, and I was an electrical engineer, so I can relate to this. An engineer who sits at a cubicle and draws things on a computer is going to be very, very low on the scale, lightly active maybe. And that's if they're like getting up and doing a lot of lab work or something. So just keep that in mind. And it's important that you answer this honestly. So once you have that activity multiplier, you don't multiply that in to your total sum. Okay. And then that number that you get is going to be your caloric target for the day, for every single day. All right. Now it's going to be a baseline. It's going to be a baseline and that's going to be your maintenance caloric target. That's going to be approximately your RMR. But again, there's exceptions to everything. And it's important to know that no matter how you implement this formula and, or how you implement any other formula, they're never going to be truly accurate. They're never going to be truly accurate. They're always going to be close, probably within some tolerance. But the only way to know for sure is to test it. You have to test it. You have to give it like two straight solid weeks where you commit to it. And if you weigh yourself every single day and you're committing to this level of calories every single day, you will see your weight either go up or down or not or not move at all. And that'll give you a good indication as to where you're at. If you start to creep up in weight over two weeks, if you put on a pound or a pound and a half, that means you're way over, right? If you put on a quarter of a pound a week, that means you're just slightly over. If you put on a tenth of a pound week one and a tenth of a pound week two, you're even less over, but you're still over. It does work like that. It works that, that simply. Um, same thing on the other side. If you're under, you're going to see yourself losing weight. Even if it's a tenth of a pound or a quarter of a pound or an eighth of a pound, you're going to see yourself losing weight slowly if you're under. So it's important that you start with something and you commit to it and that you're as, as close to that target every single day as possible, like within single digits, so that you understand your baseline, you understand your RMR. Okay. Now, once you have that, you can start to build your macro profile around that. And again, this will need testing and it totally depends on your goal. So I can't really tell you what to eat for proteins, carbs, and fats because I don't know your goal. I don't know your body composition. I don't know your past. I don't know your future, like as far as what workouts you're going to do, stuff like that. All I can tell you is what I do. So here we are. I'm a 201 pound male. I multiplied myself by 10. I got my activity multiplier for this. I'm going to use 1.5. 
Okay, 1.5 for all the training I do in the gym, for all the extracurricular fitness I do, I sit a lot when I do things like podcasts, when I do things like write blog entries, when I do things like work with clients and do client check-ins and stuff like that. It's always typically sitting. I'm sitting a lot. So I'm sitting a lot more than I would expect. Now, I also could be potentially being a little over conservative here, and that's fine. That's fine. It's okay to be a little conservative because that just that will ultimately help you, right? So well, if your goal is to, you know, be in a position where you're losing weight or, or staying thin or staying trim or staying fit and having a low body fat, it'll only help you. So anyway, I'm using the activity multiplier of 1.5. So what that's putting me at for maintenance caloric, uh, for a maintenance caloric target is 3165. I'm sorry, that's a high end 3015, 3015. So for three at 3015 calories, uh, I should not move. And that's about right. I have about a 3,000 calorie maintenance target. Um, that's not totally spot on, but it's, it's close enough for this conversation. And then to, to come in lower than that for a fat loss goal, then I would come in um, you know, probably around 2,600, 2,700, somewhere in there. And if I was going to try to put on weight, I would come in at a, about 3,300. Okay. Now, um, that's like my, my caloric target. And then as far as my macros go, there's a, a bunch of ways you can address this. For me, again, I don't know what you're doing. I, I can't give you any recommendations. But what I would do in this case is I have it all broken down here. If I was going to maintain, I would do something like this. So this aligns with the maintenance target of 3015. 160 grams of protein, 90 grams of fat, 389 grams of carbs. Okay. That's going to put me at 3,015 calories. I should stay about the same as I am now. And if I was going to try to cut, I would come in at 201, uh, 201 grams of protein, 70 grams of fat, 295 grams of carbs. Now would put me at about 2615 for calories. You can do the math, double check me. And, uh, for weight gain, if I was going to try to put on weight, if I was going through a bulking season, for example, I would come in about 201 grams of protein, 110 grams of fats and 380 grams of carbs. So again, I can't really tell you what your your macro breakdown would be, but I've used this ratio before for myself and for other people who are doing those things. Um, and I have, uh, you know, have similar goals, I mean, and I've seen results. I've seen very, very, very good results. So that's what I would use for myself. In fact, that is a snapshot of something that I have used for myself in the past. And it works very well. So that is essentially how we get started on macros and calories and understanding how the body works, how it died. Well, we're not going to get into how it digests, but it's how it handles calories in versus calories out relative to weight loss, weight gain and maintenance. Okay. So the next thing I want to talk about is supplementation. This is going to be the last thing we talk about today, because I think these three things, having these all out there will put you in a position to actually make some moves, take some action, not be totally overwhelmed with information and is uh, an excellent starting point for anybody who's new to fitness. Okay. Supplementation. I recommend two types of supplements. I will have direct links in the show notes, but I'm not going to talk about any brands here or any particular products. I'm just going to talk about types of products. Okay. The types of products I think every single person should take one is a really, really good high quality, the highest quality you can get seriously multivitamin preferably not heat pressed, preferably in a capsule or a series of capsules, like a pack of capsules. 
Um, the reason for capsules versus heat press is because capsules digest differently in your body and everything that's in that capsule gets consumed and absorbed. Okay. The heat pressed uh, tablets that you've seen where it's, which, you know, a heat pressed tablet because it looks like a block that's like, I don't know, it looks kind of like a giant seed. It's like a, like a block. <laughs> Usually it's really big and it's like yellowish and it's got a bunch of like specks of black and gray and brown on it. Anyway, the reason those aren't something I would recommend ever is because you lose a ton of the nutrients in it and the, the micronutrients and all the vitamins that the back of the bottle says that it has just in the digestion process because your body has to go into overdrive to break that thing down because it's so dense versus a capsule. Capsules usually have a very um, a very thin coating. It, it might feel thick in your hands, but it's very thin. Your body digests it very quickly, breaks it down very quickly, and then all of the contents inside get absorbed super quick. So I always recommend a capsule over a heat press tablet, always, 100% of the time. That is the number one thing I recommend for everybody. It doesn't matter what your goal is. Take a high quality, the highest quality multivitamin in capsule form that you can find. Okay, the second thing that I recommend for every single person is to get some sort of protein supplement because your body probably isn't taking in the proper amount of protein. Okay. And I like whey protein powder personally because I'm not a vegan and I like the way it tastes and I have the brands that I like and it works very well for me. And I've seen amazing results. Here's the thing. I, I have seen, I'm just gonna repeat myself. I've seen ridiculous results from taking whey protein powder, not just in me, but in other people as well. It's, it's a weird supplement because a lot of people misuse it. And because they misuse it, they don't really understand the benefits. And it's gotten some stigma around it over the years because there's this like bro mentality where if you're taking protein powder, then you're just, you're, all you're interested in doing is being some kind of like, like juice head, like bodybuilder or powerlifter or something, which is so not the, the case. Like everybody needs protein. And if you were to take in an extra 20, 25 grams of protein, once or twice a day in a fast digesting form like whey protein or even a plant. If you're a vegan or a vegetarian and you want to take in a plant-based protein powder, those are out there too. There's soy protein powder. Uh, there's gluten-free protein powder, which most of it is actually gluten-free. Uh, there's egg protein powder. There's uh, protein, like there's rice protein powder. There's all these different origin sources of protein powders where it pretty much fits in anybody's diet, no matter what their dietary restrictions are. Um, again, I take whey protein powder and, uh, I have the brands that I like and it is, uh, something that I can't live without. Now I've, I've, I've received tremendous results as a result of taking protein powder. And I think everybody should take protein powder. Um, and again, so the reason why I'll just elaborate on this. The reason why I think people should take protein powders because you're not getting enough. Okay. Just because you have some lean turkey at lunch doesn't mean you're getting enough protein in your diet. And the more protein you get, the more uh, of these positive effects you're going to feel. One is satiety for sure. If you take in protein, you're going to feel more satiated. Okay. So if you're trying to, um, if you're on a weight loss, if you're on a cut, you're trying to lose weight, you're trying to go through a transformation. If you, if you take in a high chunk of protein in one sitting, it's going to make you feel fuller longer. That's the truth. So that, that will definitely happen. Okay. The second thing is when you take in like 25 grams of protein, you are giving yourself a blast of calories from, from a source that 
is going to help muscle development, muscle growth. So dietary protein, when it gets in your body, and I promise I won't go too scientific here, but when dietary protein gets in your body and it, it breaks down into amino acids, when it gets into your body and it gets uh, broken down and absorbed, it turns into amino acids. Those amino acids are going to travel through your bloodstream to whatever source needs it. And it's going to like, what, what I mean is like you, if you worked out, it's going to go to whatever muscle group is requiring that protein in order to rebuild whatever it is. So amino acids, if you have them in your body and you don't actually do anything, then nothing really happens with it. Um, you know, it'll break down slowly and it, it, it's not going to hang on to you. Like if you were to take in the same amount of calories that were in that shake in the form of sugar or something like that, because that would convert to fat and you would hang on to that for a long, long time. This, uh, let's just pretend that you were training for a while and you had like, you went to the gym, you worked out for a while, then you had a protein shake that, uh, that protein, that dietary protein that you ingested, that's going to turn into amino acids and that's going to rush to that uh, muscle group that you just trained, that you just exercised. And it's going to try repairing it immediately. It's going to repair it as quickly as possible. And, um, those, those amino acids, they help cellular proteins begin protein synthesis and rebuild the muscle. And, um, you know, we talk about that in the past in another episode, but my point is if you've worked out at all, protein shakes are amazing. If you're not working out at all, protein shakes are still helpful. It's still a source of calories. Remember, there's four calories in every gram of protein. So if you have a 25 gram of protein shake, if you have a shake that has 25 grams of protein in it, like most, a lot of shakes do, they have 20, 22, 25 grams of protein. They're going to have around a hundred calories. Okay. 25 times four is hundred calories. So if you have one or two scoop shake, you're going to get a couple hundred calories in you in the form of fast digesting protein, which is either going to help you or it's going to help. If it's going to help you feel full, it's going to help your muscle growth and development. It's going to help you recover. Okay. And if you're not as active, it's still going to have less of an effect than if you were to consume 200 calories of bread or 200 calories of like fruit, for example, which is fructose, which is sugar, which is different than regular sugar. Sure. But it's still sugar, right? So it's still better than having like a couple bananas. And, um, and, and it's, it's tough to wrap your head around that. But anyway, my point is I recommend a high quality multivitamin, something in the capsule form, and then a protein supplement. We could talk about this all day, but that's the punchline. That's the takeaway. So, so anyway, that is going to wrap up episode two, part two of the beginner's guide to fitness. And well, this is the nutrition section. So particularly the nutrition part of it. And just a quick recap here. The number one thing when it comes to the type of diet I recommend uh, is actually what I recommend avoiding. And that is intuitive eating or mindful eating. I would dismiss those until you're way more advanced and experienced and have gone through the motions of understanding macros like really, really, really well, like really put in tens or hundreds of hours into reps of weighing out your food, looking at your food, measuring your food, understanding how much food you're actually consuming and what the calorie and macronutrient effects are of that food. Then you can look at intuitive eating. Then you can look at mindful eating. Um, Macro-based diets, I recommend always, 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 always that if you are new to fitness, that you look at macros and you understand macros and you try to figure out what your RMR is, potentially using a formula like I, rec- like I gave you today. We'll give you your, calor- your caloric target, your RMR, 
your approximate RMR. Of course, you need to test that and understand if you need to tweak it in a by increasing it or decreasing it. Either way, uh, it'll give you an excellent starting point. And then from there, you can figure out what macros will map to your goal. And that's unfortunately going to it's going to be different for everybody. So I didn't want to get into it too much here today. Um, if you do need help with that, you know, contact me. I am most active on Facebook. So feel free to send me a PM uh, or private message on Facebook and uh, throw me a wave and I'll definitely help you out there. Uh, and then the last thing is I'm always going to recommend that you take a high quality, high, high quality. I can't emphasize that enough. Multivitamin every single day multivitamin, high quality capsule form, not heat pressed. And uh, if you are not sure what brand to look at or what style to look at, I will leave some links in the show notes. I just didn't want to talk about it here on the podcast. Um, I don't want people to think that there's only one product out there. Uh, Again, I'm also more than willing and happy and able to answer any questions about multivitamins. And then of course, uh, the other thing I recommend is a protein powder for every single person. I really think that it's powerful. I really do. It's not just for bodybuilders. It's not just for guys. It's not just for power, like powerlifters, whatever. It's for every single person, every single person. And also fun fact, my wife, who is not a weightlifter, has taken protein powder every single day for the past couple of years, and she's never been healthier, ever, never been healthier. She takes protein powder every single morning. She's not a weightlifter. She's not a competitive athlete. She's fit, but not like super fit. She doesn't spend a lot of time at the gym or anything. Takes protein powder every day. Never been healthier just a fun fact. And she has celiac disease and it's a gluten-free protein powder. Never been healthier. So anyway, a link to that will also be in the show notes to the protein powder that I would recommend. I will point you to a specific brand that I think actually makes one of the best protein powders on the planet, but I didn't really want to talk about it. So anyway, thank you guys so much for checking out this episode. If you have anybody in your life that is new to fitness, please share this with them. The intent of this podcast, the whole thing, the whole brand, strength of body and mind, so bam, all of it, is to educate, inspire, and help people with fitness, with nutrition, understanding all of it, and how to get themselves from where they're at now to where they actually want to be. So thank you guys so much. I appreciate you. I love you. Don't forget, train with purpose, and I'll talk to you in the next episode. See you.